welcome to episode 26 of the One Life Church podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman, and I'm usually joined by my co-host, Brett Nicholson, but Brett's actually out this week at a retreat. And so uh, I'm joined by two friends today that we're going to get to have some really great conversations. So I'm joined by uh, Ryan Nunn, who is the campus pastor of our Henderson campus. Every day. Love it. Every day. And then we were joined by Austin Maxheimer, who um, is from Community One. And what is your title again at Community One? Neighborhood Revitalization Director. It's a lot of words. Boom. Fancy way of saying, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> we're going to find out in this podcast. Um, but Austin uh, spoke and taught yesterday at One Life um, on broadcast for all three campuses. And we want to talk a little bit about your message. But um, before we do that, I do want to say, uh, well, you can actually go listen to Austin's message. And I highlight that you should do that. Uh, you did a great job, Austin. Oh, thank um, you. It was really fun to be able to see you kind of like take this information and put it into that form. And um, you seemed like you were having fun. So we'll talk about that um, in a little bit. But um, I do want to say if you've been listening to the One Life podcast and enjoyed it, or maybe you haven't enjoyed it, hopefully you have, um, we would love for you to give us um, a rating that helps us get this conversation out even further. Um, our hope is that some of these people we've been able to connect with on the One Life podcast and the organizations that we've been able to tell you about, we want more people to know about that. And the best way for that is if you either if you're on YouTube give us a like or subscribe or if you're listening anywhere else just give us a little comment um, and a rating below and that helps that get out farther or just share it out on social media that helps us out a ton too so um yeah first i want to ask austin a question about the message that you spoke on yesterday um, because i i know austin and i've uh, been under austin's teaching for a while and uh, learned a ton and i know one of your favorite things to do is kind of teach in a classroom type setting mm-hmm. um, and one of your least favorite things to do is te- teach from a stage setting as you that did yesterday so um i guess i want to ask you what was that process like for you because it seemed like it really came together and you put it all together and you were very confident did a great job so how'd that process Looks can be you? deceiving. <laughs> so uh, I'll tell a quick story. Yeah. So in seventh grade, uh, we had these, uh, we had a project that we needed to do and then a class presentation in that. And this is before, I don't know if anyone plays fantasy baseball or, you know, fantasy football or whatever. This is before I knew anything about that, but I did this project based on some, what would be now called sabermetrics. So, uh, of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> looking at the back of baseball cards and compiling these trends and all this stuff. And I was so excited to share in the classroom what I had learned in my, in my report and what ended up happening was halfway through that presentation, I froze. Like I had never experienced that. Like I'd always been the class clown before and I'd always had just like the goofball and never had a problem getting up in front of people. But for whatever reason, puberty, hormones, something messing with my mind, seventh grade math class seared into my memory, frozen solid, literally could not speak, couldn't say a word. Wow. And then ever since then, I've had a, uh, what you would say a fear of public speaking, but I realize now that it's an actually an anxiety attack. Mm. I have racing heart, sweaty palms, mind shuts down. And so it's a real physical, physiological thing that happens to me or has happened to me in the past. And so much so that when I was going through seminary and I had to take one preaching course to graduate, uh, I actually went to counseling and went through three sessions with a counselor, uh, to help me get through that class so that I could graduate my seminary 
with the seminary degree. And it was one of the only classes I got a B in too. It made me so mad. But, <laughs> but so I've gotten better over the years. I, I learned breathing exercises. Experience certainly helps, uh, but it's just never something that I'll enjoy doing or would want to do. It's really uh, something that I see as a stretching exercise for me. Uh, and certainly in a, in, in a with a message that I feel like God, like the one yesterday where I feel very called. I did tell Brett this message is kind of burning in my bones as it should be. I had three years of study behind it. So, uh, with thought, with, you know, a message that wants to be shared like that, I need to be obedient, uh, to share that with whatever opportunity God opens the door for me for. So I've learned to grow in that. I've learned to die to myself. That's one of the things that I do mentally. I preach the gospel to myself, uh, that, you know, this isn't me speaking, but it's Christ. Uh, it's not about my sin and thinking about what other people think of me, but how I'm made new. And this is the voice and word of God coming out of me to share with his people. So really just preaching the gospel to myself, doing some real practical things like breathing exercises, and then just experience, uh, trying to be obedient to that. Yeah. Yeah, Cause I'm pretty sure not one person that sat down and had a conversation with you would assume that you had any sort of stage fright of any kind. I mean, (laughs) really, it's a very well articulated. Yeah, I can't shut up a lot of time in context like this. I mean, (laughs) we'll look out, try to get a word in. But it is it. I have to say, though, (laughs) yesterday was probably the best I I feel like I've ever seen you go. I've seen you get up in front of people a lot. So I was really, really blown away. Loved it. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and, you know, we said this last week at the end of the podcast. Brett said, he even talked about that, saying, you know, Austin's like, he's got this burden inside. I'm like, get it out. But, um, (laughs) no, I really was genuinely excited because, I mean, I I consider Austin kind of like a mentor in Mm -hmm. in some of my um, teaching and spiritual walk, and it's fun to see more people get to see your passion out there. I think that's what I'm most excited about is seeing more people um, in one life, but also just people in general see that the amount of, of, of people that not just one life has, but our community has who are passionate yeah. about these things. And so that was something that I really enjoyed. So if, <clears throat> just for those of us, maybe we have listeners out there that may be passionate about something. Um, if they're passionate about it, but they kind of have a, just a little bit of stage fright or anxiety, or whatever it is. I mean, what would you, what yeah. tips would you give them? Just yeah. To kind of get through that. Yeah. Well, um, like I said, okay. So first of all, the breathing exercise really did help me a lot. Uh, I learned how to breathe through my nose, breathe out. And, uh, okay, this might be a little controversial, but what a great place to have controversy than on the one life <laughs> on. podcast, right? Yeah. So Rob Bell's kind of fallen out of, uh, <laughs> <Right>? favor with <laughs> evangelical conservative Christian crowd. Uh, but some of the teachings that he's done out of the Bible and especially the old Testament teachings were so good when he gave, he gave this, um, amazing teaching about the name of God out of the Old Testament, which we would say is Yahweh or, mm-hmm. uh, and it's the Hebrew letters, yod Hey vav Hey, And so he talked about how that's actually just our breath. So it's yod Hey vav Hey, and just this breath and, and, and the word of God and, and the spirit of God and God breathes out his spirit over. So it's like this, you're getting in touch both with creation and the world around you, but with the spirit of God as you do that. And so I, I kind of adopted that as a, both a centering exercise for my body, but then also my mind to direct it towards, towards God. 
So you can use that one if you'd like. And then <laughs> nothing beats practice and experience. And so I didn't do this personally, but there's clubs around Evansville called Toastmasters. Yeah. I've heard of those. Yeah, yeah those where you, they really help you in a community that's super encouraging and it's fun, supposedly. <laughs> and uh, they just have a blast. That We host one uh, at, at West uh, on Thursday nights, and we hear them in there just having a ruckusly good time. <laughs> and uh, But yeah, so I've heard some people talk about that, but nothing beats experience, just getting up and do it. So find ways that you can be comfortable. Uh, One Life has been such a gift to me because I got to teach in small sections, like five, eight minutes, and then 10 minutes, and then different things at like core. And so take baby steps. Don't jump into a 35 minute message your first (laughs) time up ever speaking in front of someone. But those are just some things, experience and and just practical breathing exercises, things like that. Yeah. And I know, Ryan, you've taught um, a few times. Uh, yeah, do you get, do you have anything? What's that like for you? Yeah, do you have any, what, what do you feel like up there? Oh, man, uh, <laughs> I really, really, I enjoy it. I, it's really a weird thing um, because off, like off the stage is what's so funny is I, I'm super insecure about hmm. lots of things, um, you know, but I have this kind of general, generalized fear of being considered an idiot or unintelligent mm. or something like that. <laughs> like people thinking I'm a fool of some sort. Um, but when I get on a stage and I, I don't know, I, I don't know that I don't think it always comes out as well as I would want it to, but I always feel very confident. Mm. I, I like it. I enjoy, I don't know. So when I get up there, I feel, a, um, it's just, a, I don't know. I get excited. Have I, you, I tend to yell sometimes, get a little louder sometimes <laughs> and, and get excited, yeah. but I can't, it's just kind of who it is. Have you taught um, on, uh, since we've been broadcasting, have you taught yeah, on the stage live? Yeah, a couple live? times. Okay. Yeah, I think I did twice. I know you've taught a couple of times in Henderson live when we've done like live teaching at every campus, mm-hmm. but I didn't know if you'd been on the Yeah, I mean, I even taught different. three or four times in the studio here. Oh, yeah. Um, when we yeah. were doing that. Right I think right you taught last July. Chandler, my wife Chandler said she loved that message. I was out of town or something. No, I was at, I was at a different church. She's my favorite, Max Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I did. It was good. The Psalms. Yeah, series, yeah, yeah. Um, it is one of those things, though. Yeah, I mean, not that this is the same, but getting used to talking in a, a format is always kind of odd. And mm-hmm. I've only been on the broadcast stage once, and I was interviewing Mark, and, ooh, I was sweaty. This is <laughs> nervous. It is so nervous. Even though I had, like, prepared questions, but, you know, then you're, you're like, the hard thing I, I can't imagine for you guys is you're getting all this content out. My goal w- when I was doing that was to make sure that we ended on time. And mm-hmm. I know that's always something that's in your mind, but, like, for me, it was like, I need to get Mark to either stop talking or like, I need to stop talking or something like that. But mm-hmm. that's well, the last so thing you want to do there. is, you know, get up there for 30, 35 minutes and pour your heart out right. and then nobody be able to understand or, or mm-hmm. tell you what you said. Right. In mm-hmm. a sense, that's the thing. That's the hard part. And that's one of the things Brett is extraordinarily gifted. He's very at. gifted. Yeah. He's just boiling things down. So and connecting um, to people. Yes. Um, that's what I've learned under him so well of the way that he just connects things of God to people's everyday lives yeah. and the ways that they think and process things. Because it's so important as a communicator to step into the space of the people that you're trying to communicate to instead right. of uh, telling them what they what you think they yeah. need to hear. And, and he just, he's a master at that. So we do want to talk a little bit about your content of your message you talked oh, yeah. about kind of like the message itself <laughs> and preparing for it which I honestly think is really interesting and something different I wanted to kind of share out as well but um you were on staff at One Life um for six and a half years yes. six years oh, yeah. um and then for the last year and a half you've been on staff for Community One 
and still obviously very connected to One Life at our West Campus, um, leader there in many sense of the words. I think still some people walk up to you and just assume that you're still that campus yeah, pastor. Yeah, that just happened just yeah. last week, actually. Someone <laughs> did not know that I wasn't on staff. It's like, it's only been two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that just speaks to that you're still a very um, prominent presence in the in the building and also um, just with people in general and teaching. And I know you've been teaching or been part of the teaching team of Worldview 101 at the mm-hmm. West Campus, so uh, which is really exciting. So, um, yeah, so taking that information and something you're really passionate about was why neighborhoods. And we've been in the Build series and talking about how we can change the story of our city because we want to, to not just build a great church but build a great city. That's mm-hmm. one of our values at One Life Church. Um, why neighborhoods? Why was that something that you wanted? Why was that burning inside of you? And what what made you want to teach it so badly? Yeah, so the the tagline of changing the story of your city is actually perfect for what we're trying to do in neighborhoods, is changing the story of your neighborhoods. So we, all, we usually approach these neighborhoods from a deficit mindset, like this is their poverty or they're in need or they don't have this or they don't have that. And what I found through that first door knocking experience in, in the Easton and Henderson is that these were intelligent people. They had jobs. They loved their kids. <laughs> and it's like, okay, it just busted my paradigm open. I went into this experience thinking that I had something that they needed, which is true. I mean, the light of Christ. I mean, that's what we, that's why I was going there was, was to, to share the gospel through good works and good words. And so that's why I was motivated to do that in the first place in the East end. But then as I ended into the process of, of learning about assets based community development or neighborhood revitalization, uh, I saw that what we're really trying to do is change the story from a, from a scarcity mindset, from a deficit mindset to that. These are, these are people they're made in the image of God and they have inherent dignity and they have infinite value. And all we need to do is activate that and support it and change their networks and change the story, both of what they tell themselves and what people from the outside say about them. And so I just fell in love with the process immediately. And so being able to talk about those things, like what are some of the things um, if people either haven't listened to your message yet or if they have kind of a refresher of some of the things that you said yesterday um, or maybe something that you really wanted to talk about, but you didn't get a chance to because of just time or what the content was. Yeah. Well, man, that's like, yeah, it was, well, just cause it's hard to condense it all in there. But I would, I would say the, the, the most basic idea behind it was that we've always been called as followers of followers of Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the ministry of the old Testament. We won't go back into uh, agricultural patriarchy and orphans, widows and sojourners in this broadcast. (laughs) You really should listen into the, to the message. Um, One life app or one life church.org. Yeah. But the, uh, but the most simplest expression is that as Jesus pursued his mission, his ultimate mission of reconciliation of all things, as he set his face towards Jerusalem, towards the cross, um, the, the resurrection and ascension, as he went towards that ultimate mission, he did ministry and that ministry was marked by restoration, the whole uh, restoration of the whole being of the marginalized in their population. And so our ministry, as we go towards our ultimate mission, should be marked by the same thing, by, re- by holistic restoration of, of the marginalized. And one of the things that I didn't uh, talk about uh, that was in my original draft of the message was that one life's, one life's unique expression of mission. So we would say, yes, the mission of God is to reconcile all things through the Father. 
But local congregations have an, a, a unique expression mm-hmm. of what that means to join God in His mission. And in One Life, we say that we're uh, that the that that vision, our our expression of mission, is planting churches devoted to changing the secular worldview of the next generation. And I'm passionate about that. Uh, I mean, that's a whole nother talk there in and of itself. Um, but I am super excited about that. And I think we should set our face towards that as a church. I think it's a worthy expression of mission, but as we pursue that, we better be ministering to the marginalized because that's what discipleship is. That's what Jesus has done. And that's why I've always been so proud to be a part of one life and our investment in neighborhoods like the East end. And I really loved on the, <clears throat> there's a, a graphic that it, you said when Jesus left restored people in his wake. Mm, yeah. And that was a really, really cool picture because you, you talked a lot about, or you talked a little bit about, or you referenced toxic charity and how, and it's not a bad thing and it's a good intentions. Yeah, good intentions. So many times we tend to want to kind of parachute in with, you know, supplies or food or whatever it is without restoring dignity or, or yeah. maintaining or, uh, I forgot the word to use, but well, just kind of ignoring the fact that these these uh, marginalized individuals they have inherent dignity, God given dignity. Yeah, and I really liked that. So I guess in your experience, what are some of the things that that really impacts, maybe negatively or or not as it should? So what's the real difference in a toxic charity versus? what you're talking about. Yeah. So in a toxic charity mindset and what that means is, is it's this idea that, um, what you're doing through your charity is actually perpetuating or contributing to cycles of generational poverty, that it's, it's helping support systems of dependency. Uh, so when you provide for others, what they could do themselves, you're actually contributing to to dependency for them. And, uh, but it's well-intentioned uh, most of the time. I think on, on, on a really negative side, I would say when, in my most cynical moments, it's us trying to, it's us as Christians, as middle-class people, just trying to check off our right. service, uh, off the ch- Christian sure. do-goodery checklist. We're proud of ourselves. So we, cause we went in and served the poor people in our city, yeah. like, or we go in once a year, uh, and we take a bunch of pictures when we're serving with, uh, in the bad part of town and then we put it on Facebook or social media and then we're proud of ourselves. Like that's, that's the cynical side. And I actually don't think that that's most people's motivation. I really don't. I, I, that probably exists out there, but I think truly what it is, is that people just don't know how they don't know how to engage deeply and that people's lives individual lives, no matter if you're wealthy or middle-class or whatever, most of them are kind of a mess, (laughs) you know, like, and so to think about spending more of your life, sacrificing more of your life, giving up more of your time in a schedule that's already crazy busy and all this stuff, like it's daunting to people, I think. And and so I don't think it's so much this kind of negative, I think it's more of, they just don't know how, but the major difference between a toxic charity approach and a restorative approach is simply relationships. That is the key. And that's why I think the church is the only genuine answer to changing generational poverty. Because as Eric said the week before, institutions can't love, but people can love. But what's your worldview that's motivating repeated presence with the least of these? Mm. 
I don't know of another one that can, certainly not for a whole group of people. And so I think the Christian worldview and Christians and churches are the only ones equipped in the foundation of their being to do this work. Well, and when you were saying that, it reminded me of of a story that Eric said in his message of this person he had talked to in church and she was coming up and they were talking about places that they had served and things they were doing in the church. And they were talking about all these things that she did. And she goes, well, I also do this at a hospital and I I take food to some other people who can't come to church, but none of those don't count because they're Mm -hmm. not in the church. Mm -hmm. And I thought, and Eric did such a great job. You're like, no, that counts, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it was an opportunity for for you guys to launch um, the Love Your Neighbor um, app, which Mm -hmm. you guys can find on the One Life app right now, but it's um, lynevv.org. And it's, I think something that I wanted to highlight for sure is um, I had a couple of people ask me like, well, is it weird to like, like boast about the things that you're doing. <laughs> and I think it's important to say it's not about that. It's about that so often we, we consider success um, in ministry, how many people show up or you mm-hmm. know, how many things they're able to build or all those things. But I think what's beautiful is you guys said, well, what if we were able to say, man, look at all the things that are actually happening in our city um, that are considered acts of love and not with your name attached by any means. It's just, or even a lot of times, unless you're um, getting the report, you don't even see what they are. You just see the number just saying, wow, like a hundred things happened from our church in the last week. Um, That's amazing. Like something Mm -hmm. to be proud of, but also it encourages you hopefully to continue to do those things. And um, I wanted to, to ask Ryan, I know obviously, being in Henderson, there's a lot of great things that are happening in Henderson as well. And we want to continue telling those stories. We're working on getting a couple of those people on the podcast, but I think it's a a good step because One Life is connected to some of those things in Henderson. Um, What are some of those things that you're seeing uh, from the Henderson campus, but just being in the community itself that you've seen continue to get better? Well, I know my wife uh, works for a nonprofit called Marsha's Place in Henderson, the Pregnancy Resource Center. Um, and so it's amazing. I think what I noticed is it's amazing the overlap. You know, when you talk about, you know, AKZ and we've got teams of people that are working with, uh, you know, some elementary schools, South Heights and Jefferson yep. um, that are connecting with those people. We do work over at Central, um, you know, talking to Anthony is the, the principal over there at Central Academy. So there's... Um, organizations over there that are doing it. There's amazing the amount of overlap that it is that we experience. So I'm connected to the football team at the high school. So between myself and my wife and, um, and the principals that we interact with, it's amazing the overflow of people that are all interconnected. Um, and it's all connected through our involvement in the East end of Henderson. Hmm. And so it's a really, really cool thing. Um, but I know Marsha's place specifically, I know the most about that one cause I'm the closest <laughs> to it. Uh, you better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I really love like what we see, what I'm able to see them do and see that they do, um, is it, like the, the hashtag for their banquet tonight is life together. Hmm. Right. So they, they don't just, you know, treat pregnancies and hand out this and hand out that and give out tracks and things like that. They, they genuinely try to get into the lives of their clients and love and serve and then ultimately push them towards flourishing. Like we've, there's a video story that we're doing tonight of, of a lady uh, specifically who, you know, has been, life has been, the trajectory of her life has been changed because of a small nonprofit in Henderson that decided to take the time and, and acknowledge her inherent dignity that, that mm-hmm. she's been given. Um, 
And so, you know, sharing stories about doing this life together. And so there's lots of really, really cool things that are going on, um, like through the Ottoman Kids Zone. And in the summer times, they have, or the summertime, they have these, um, I know I taught a guitar class there last year. So I was able to go connect uh, with some some kids. And and we know Tammy and Rob well, see them all the time and what they're doing. And there's lots of people that go to our church um, that that uh, work and serve there in in the um, all throughout the year, and so just to see how the focus and intentionality that they're placing on building relationships, and and making sure that we are maintaining that dignity that people have. Yeah, and that so, highlighted something that I that was really uh, revolutionary for me, and as far as freedom goes uh, in this neighborhood work, because it can feel weighty at sometimes, you know, especially when you're working with generational poverty. And I mean, it's generational for a reason. Like, there's a lot of things that contribute to this, and it's it's deep, and sin is rampant in, in, in these neighborhoods and areas. I don't mean sinful people in their activities. I just mean sin, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, but, but one of the things that was said uh, in the message was if everyone brings something, not everyone has to, not everyone has to give everything. Not And, and what you just highlighted there is you, you taught guitar classes, you brought your gift of that yeah. to the neighborhood. That's right. And I know God's grillers, <laughs> God's grillers, they brought, to say, yeah. they brought a grill and, and they brought that as an offering, you know, like, yeah. oh. so everyone just brings a, a piece to the neighborhood and, and a small offering of their life. Then it doesn't feel so weighty. And and you, I went to the first kickoff summer sizzler last summer. It was a blast. Like that's the other thing. It's like, yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's just about having fun. Yeah. You know, it's not always work and drudgery. It's, it's sometimes people in the neighborhood because they don't have a lot of expendable income, they just need to have an opportunity to relax and have a good time and hear some music and and jump on some inflatables and you know and run around in, in a splash park like sometimes it's as simple as bringing just fun and joy and and laughter to the to the community yeah and i think uh, well, one thing i, I want to talk about akz a little bit because when you're talking about it remind me of we shared a video um uh, two weeks ago, uh, in, in service and then on social media about the Ottoman Kids Zone, just telling a little bit about that story of how it got started and the purpose and, and just kind of the whole vision behind what they're doing. And, um, what I've been super encouraged about is a lot, obviously I love people sharing it out, but the people that are sharing and saying things about it. And so mm-hmm. like, I just want to read a couple of those. Um, if you haven't had a chance, um, it's on the one life church, Facebook page, um, the, the video itself, but someone said hands down best principle out there. And we still speak to this day that that man is 100 South Kids. So someone who went to South Heights wanting to share these stories, the best principal ever loved going to South Heights. Um, trying to find a couple because I was just blown away by how many people were talking, not only about AKZ, but um, Rob himself. I mean, being able to share that, like what an amazing thing. Uh, so honored to have been a part of the school and community as a child. I remember moved to another school district when my parents spoke to Mr. Carroll about me moving back. He welcomed me with open arms. I had a wonderful experience and I'm so happy that others are getting the opportunity to grow, develop and be shown love and support. Mm. Like there's just, I mean, there were hundreds of these. I'm not just reading, I'm only reading a couple. There were hundreds of these that got shared out of Mm. personal stories of people who were so excited to share the impact that not only they had, but they want more people to have. And, and, and Jeremy even said in the Jake was little kids Zone video that we shared this week, um, as well, uh, was saying, you know, their goal in the Jacobsville area and the Jacobsville kids zone is to 
kind of help um, kids get out of the cycle of generational poverty, but then for them to move back within the four blocks and then to continue pouring that out. Like, mm-hmm. and I would say that's kind of the idea of what you're talking about with why neighborhoods is if you can stop this cycle um, and maybe it's just one thing. Um, but what I wanted to say too, as well, when you're talking about like showing up and it can just be fun, like those are the things where I think people would say, man, I want to show up to that. Even if I can only show up one time, um, it's not, it may feel like a, uh, a parachute in parachute out, but I think it is one of those things that sometimes that's what you can do in the moment is to show up and it's a good place to start. Yeah. And, and I want to speak to that because there's almost an overreaction sometimes, um, of, Oh, well, we can't do anything in the neighborhood because we don't, we just can't show up one time and then leave, you know, it's like, no. And so what, what you could do, what anyone out there could do to help fuel this is to serve through community partners Mm -hmm. that are on the ground, working with people day in, day out. They're the ones that are building that relational trust and they need your support. Uh, They need engagement from other people. And so it's, it's not, if you came to a summer sizzler that you're coming to Audubon Kids Zone, you're coming to a community partner. And so you automatically have, automatically have trust there in that moment because you're there as part of this larger thing that's building day-to-day relational trust with people where they are. Um, so yeah, coming in just to, on a one-off thing, you do need to experience it. Like I came in that first time and did door knocking the East end. If I wouldn't have had that experience, I wouldn't have fallen in love with neighborhoods. I needed to be invited in to do that. And so if I wouldn't have entered into that space, entered into those people and went door knocking, then I wouldn't have fell in love with the process. So, uh, I would encourage anyone to, to engage in the neighborhood, to try it, to experiment. It's okay. But do it through a partner that's on the ground building relational trust. That's great. That's absolutely great. Um, Ryan, if someone's looking for that information, what would you say? Like if they're in one life and Mm -hmm. they're saying, hey, I want to get connected to a community partner, how do they even find that? Well, there's uh, a couple ways. Over the next couple weeks, we we had cards this last week that have check boxes. We're going to put those back in the seats. Um, That way, if you maybe weren't here last week uh, or something like that, then you can check um, kind of what you're interested in um, and we can do that. Or if that's, if they're not there or something along those lines, then you, anybody in a red shirt, our guest services teams uh, for the most part, most of them wear a red shirt, um, myself, Kat or Josh, that's our staff. Um, we can get you pointed in the right direction and get you connected to who needs to be connected to. Sure. Yeah. And I know that we're working on getting that information up on our website as well. Just getting all a few things confirmed of who those contacts are and make sure they go to the right people. We don't want to send people information and it just not go anywhere. So that's never our goal. Um, yeah. Austin, anything else that you would want to make sure people highlight kind of closing out either with Community One, with the Build Series, with neighborhoods? I know there's a ton of information you really want to share, but we've only got a few minutes. Well, I have a thought. Ooh, Austin, or a friend. Has from something. yesterday or from Sunday. <clears throat> um I love, the more I think about it, the more I love the process because I keep hearing you talk about knocking on doors mm-hmm. and I mean, it's not, can, there's things that are less awkward, but there's <laughs> nothing that's very much easier um, than, than knocking on a door and, and listening. And you talked mm-hmm. about being a good listener. Yeah. And so when I think about that as early on, um, actually that was before I think my one life journey began or right at the very beginning, because I kind of came in the worship world, you kind of came in on that side. Mm-hmm. When I think about that on one hand and as a 
I went to South Heights for two years oh, of, did my, you? of my elementary school did before Rob. That. Yeah, I was learned something. New I was every there day. before. I was there before Rob. My mom taught there um, early on before Rob got there. But when I think about that, and I think about how that kind of morphed into these uh, Tuesday morning Shoney's yeah. uh, meetings, and about how um, through just figuring out how can we do, how can we make a difference, how can we make an impact. And I was there for some of that stuff and got to hear the conversation and hear the prayer. And then when all that stuff gets paired up with, um, you know, South Heights, for example, who's right in the smack dab in the heart of the East End, mm-hmm. uh, really blown away by that process and how it's um, simple steps by multiple different people over a period of time that are all like-minded individuals that end up forming something like a kid's zone um, that's making an impact. And now it's not just one kid's zone. It's Jacobsville Kids Zone. And we were having a conversation over lunch today about how Kids Zone potentially. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's just one amazing idea how moving out into yeah. inspiring more people to be involved because they've seen it successful. They've seen what it takes to make that happen. And ultimately, you said it starts with kind of people just talking around lunch. You know? Yeah, and it started with you knocking on the door. And I think that, that that's a big <laughs> deal is, is this whole series has been talking about moving us towards action. And us being the church, not just inside the four walls, right. but getting in our community and building a great city. So, so kind of like going from couch to community. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got a lot like to that. say about that. Yeah. I'm trying to bring up a quote here. <laughs> it's a book. Uh, I'm not Austin looking at my Zach phone. Wrote. That's fine. Uh, I can tell them about couch to community. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. Austin and Zach wrote a book. Yeah, bestseller. Best. It was in a, the group it's, publishing. It's a in the group publishing magazine, oh. it was listed as a bestseller. Not a boy. Which no, <laughs> that means they're in serious trouble. Oh no. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I don't, I, there's just so much there that I, I, I could and, and would want to talk about the pro I didn't get to talk a lot about the how of neighborhoods, um, because it is a process and probably, uh, the number one thing that God has taught me through this whole thing is, is the faithfulness, how he, uh, pours out his blessing on faithfulness hmm. It is remarkable. There was a point, uh, Ryan mentioned Tuesday breakfasts at Shoney's, uh, me and the Bob father, uh, Bob <laughs> Seymour, we met at Shoney's every week, every Tuesday morning for probably over three years. Um, just keeping to help drive this initiative in the East end forward. And that the, now the fruit of it years later is out of in kids zone. Um, but we were, uh, there was ups and downs. Sometimes at one point there was like 12, 14, 16 people around the table and that wow. included politicians and influential people and all, all this stuff. And then sometimes it was me and Bob. And then I disconnected it and started going to Jakesville. And I think Bob was just eating bacon and, and <laughs> eggs by himself. <laughs> no, we observed some of us there. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, yeah. And, and there was always someone to help, but Bob kept driving that thing forward yeah. and he kept it on the agenda, kept conversations going. And I, and I liken it to, um, in the old Testament it talks about, uh, the ground being fallow, letting the ground rest for a season. And I think that was a season when the ground was kind of fallow, it was resting. And then out of that out of those seeds that were planted and then a season of, of kind of uh, rest, then the Audubon Kids Zone exploded out of that and, and growth. But it, would, if it wouldn't have been the faithfulness of a few people keeping that going forward, keeping that conversation going, it wouldn't have happened. And so neighborhood work can be discouraging because it's, it's, it is long and it takes repeated press, uh, presence and investment, a lot of investment. But 
you look back and over the years and you see just how God's poured out his blessing on the faithless, it'll blow your mind. Mm -hmm. And it's just such an amazing moment of worship. And I want, this is the quote I was bringing up. So this is in uh, the lean startup ideas. And it says, uh, something along the lines of, oh, wait, sorry, that's that's what he was saying to me. This is, the quote is something along the lines of, in order to build a scalable solution, you have to start by doing things that don't scale. Hmm. In order to build a scalable solution, you have to start by doing things that don't scale. And when we talk about Jesus's ministry, us following discipleship, following in the way of Jesus, he that's exactly what he did. He could have came in in any conquering sort of mindset and or forced people, you know, but he didn't. He did something that was completely unscalable, and he that was he reproduced his life into one person and then three people and then 12 people. And then he died, like, and ascended and then rose and ascended to heaven. But he left, and at that time he was 12 people. But he had re- reproduced his life, and then all of a sudden it exploded. It multiplied. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we think about things like the kids zone and neighborhoods, it can seem very daunting to us right now. But if we build this one solution in a way that we, I mean, we can't imagine how to scale this thing, God will explode it. He will multiply it. If, if we're faithful to build this one solution, one kid at a time, one neighborhood at a time, and then we'll see this amazing gospel movement in our area through our, through, God's faithfulness to our response of faithfulness and trust in his commands and, and obedience to scripture. And that's why we love hanging out with Austin and get a little <laughs> bit of, of that wisdom every time. Um, no, seriously, Austin, it's been great um, being able to continue to connect with you about this idea because obviously we can see it's something you're passionate about, but also passionate to share it with people mm-hmm. and not just passionate about it in general. I think that's different. And Ryan, I always love getting to hang out with my friend Ryan <laughs> Me and, too. Uh, and definitely learning more about some of the things that you're passionate about. Obviously, uh, being able to share the things about Marsha's Place, which I was thinking about that. We need to get somebody from Marsha's Place to come talk on the mm. podcast. I know a lady. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should see if we get that set up. But you talked about Bob and I think it's interesting that we have Bob on the podcast next week um, as the last week of the build series. And almost every organization I think we've talked to, Bob's had some sort of kind of connection to. So that's why he's really the Bob father. Exactly. Bob father. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we wanted to get his perspective because he's seen a lot of things change and get better. Better and he's also been a part of that. So, um, but he's also not someone that that you know speaks a ton about it. And he just kind of shows up. And not in there, Evansville. So. That's true. He in speaks Chicago. about it all across the world. <laughs> yeah, literally. He always says something along the lines of, "You're smarter the further you get away from your hometown." <laughs> uh, yeah, well, apparently. Um, <laughs> I do. I do want to say the one thing that I would encourage um, us as an organization, uh, you as our communications director, you as campus pastor. Uh, to collect stories, um, find the people that are on the ground doing this work and just ask them to tell you a story. In fact, assets-based community development that I've mentioned, that w- the approach that we take in the neighborhoods, when I was doing my, my literature review for my dissertation, I learned how it got started. And it was by one question. So this two guys, uh, they got a grant to go for three years. They went around the nation and they went to thousands of under-resourced neighborhoods and they went to real people living in those neighborhoods and they asked one question. They said, tell me a story when people in your community came together to make positive change. Tell me a story. 
And so they went around and did thousands and thousands of interviews and collected all these stories. Mm-hmm. And they and they and that's how they came up with this idea of assets-based community development, starting with strengths, not deficits, seeing as people in the neighborhood as assets, not as problems. And so one of the things that I am, I never, I hate about myself uh, is that I'm not a very good storyteller. Um, I think good storytellers are such a... Uh, a beautiful and uh, asset uh, for us. And we have so many of them at One Life. And so if we can connect storytellers to the people with the stories, mm-hmm. we can really create something special in there because we've got a lot of stories in the people of One Life Church that have just been involved in neighborhood work, mm-hmm. let alone activating them in their workplace and in their families and all the amazing stories that we have out there. And so uh, finding a way to collect all these stories, because when you said if there's one thing that I, I would like to share, it would be more of these stories yeah. like about Jacobsville Park, about going door knocking with Melissa, about the Bob father in the East End. Like there's all these stories that are in my mind about my engagement in neighborhoods that I would love to share uh, that I probably should have done this time. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but just an encouragement to all of us to be yeah. story collectors collectors uh, as well as storytellers. That's terrific. Yeah. And uh, Brett will be closing out the series uh, this Sunday. And I know he's going to be ending with uh, some pretty, some pretty great stuff, kind of commissioning everyone to say, to just know that we are ambassadors to this Mm -hmm. idea that we're going into our cities and our communities and our jobs. Um, And I think it's going to be a great thing. You're not going to miss it. And we're going to close out um, with a time of worship and singing together. And it's going to be just an awesome Sunday to to close out what's been one, I think our longest series in one life history, which is great. We've loved that as a creative team um, to be able to really settle in and do some creative things so it's been great and um yeah thank you guys again for joining me on the podcast and hanging out and sharing about some of the things you're excited about thank you sir i love being here yeah. anytime this i'm comfortable with this so. is your setting not <laughs> yeah. gonna go over and puke should, in a corner yeah. no no which is probably you know why it stinks so bad because oh, we're gosh. out of your weakness god god has made strong, yeah strong. god is strong so. well you did a great job and i'm gonna yeah, say that again you. i'm proud yeah, of you me too. you did a great <laughs> Thanks, job guys i'm excited for more people to go to onelifechurch.org and watch austin uh, teaching from this past sunday so thank you guys for joining us we'll see you next week thanks for listening to this week's episode of the one life church podcast If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and subscribe. That way you'll get an alert anytime there's a new episode. If there was something that you heard that you really want other people to know, share it out on social media. You can use the hashtag OLPodcast. To ask us a question here at the podcast, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah Inman, and I produced this episode. Our music is produced by Micah Robertson and Ben Brock.